This is Dave Burnett, and I want to welcome you to today's God's Family Plan podcast. Today's podcast features my wife, Kathy, and the title of her message is Fully Alive. And now, here's Kathy. Secondhand Lions is one of my favorite movies. It's a family film that tells the story of a shy adolescent boy with a troubled mother that sends him to live with two eccentric old uncles. At first, the boy finds the uncles are more than a little scary. They live on an isolated farm in rural Texas and both have fully activated their Second Amendment gun rights. As the movie progresses, the boy and his uncles forge a strong relationship, become a family, and develop a deep love for each other. In the movie, for some 20 years, the boy and his uncles share a lifetime of challenges as well as blessings that even include having a secondhand lion for a pet. After the nephew has grown and become a successful adult, the adventure-loving geriatric uncles try flying their biplane upside down through their old barn, but they crash the plane and don't live through the experience. The movie comes to a close with the nephew reminiscing about his uncles and describing them using these words, Yeah, they really lived. Now those are interesting words because it's quite clear in the movie that the phrase, they really lived, has more than one meaning. The first meaning is having life or having existed. In the movie, the nephew is telling someone that his uncles were real people that lived real lives. The second meaning of really lived is more than just being alive. It includes the idea of being active, robust, vigorous, thriving, and strong. The second meaning of the phrase puts an emphasis on the word really and has an exclamation point at the end. They really lived. In other words, it means being fully, totally alive. The Bible has plenty to say about being really alive. Let's take a look at scripture to gain more insight and understanding. The words of Jesus in John 10.10 are a good place to start. Most of you are probably familiar with this passage. The New King James Version reads, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I'll read the end of that verse again, this time in the Passion Translation. Jesus said, But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Let me say that again. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Now that's the kind of life I'm talking about. Since this verse is clearly divided into two parts, I'd like to discuss the two sections separately. The first half is about the thief, and the second half, is about Jesus. Let's begin by discussing the thief. Here's what the Passion Translation has to say. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. The word thief in this passage is translated from the Greek word kleptos, 
It simply means stealer or thief. Jesus was speaking these words, along with all of John chapter 10, as a parable to the Pharisees. A footnote in the Passion Translation explains that the thieves and robbers described here are the Pharisees as well as the false prophets. Elsewhere in John chapter 10, Jesus spoke of the strangers, hirelings, and the wolf. These are all enemies of the sheep. Now let's take a look at what these enemies do to the sheep. They kill, steal, and destroy. First up is the word steal. It is a primary verb meaning just that, steal. It's translated from the Greek word klepto, think kleptomaniac, which is an English word that was derived from the Greek word klepto. Next is the word kill. It's translated from a Greek word that means to slay, sacrifice, or slaughter. The thief actually wants to slaughter the sheep or offer them as a sacrifice. And finally, we read that the enemy comes to destroy the sheep. The New Testament Greek lexicon lists all these definitions for the word destroy. To put out of the way entirely abolish, put an end to, ruin, render useless, to kill, to declare that one must be put to death, metaphorically, to devote or give over to eternal misery in hell, to perish, to be lost, ruined, destroyed, to lose. Remember, these are the words of Jesus. If you ever had any doubt about the thief and his intentions toward the sheep, this verse makes it quite clear. The thief only comes for one purpose. As it says in the voice translation, the thief comes with malicious intent. The goal of the thief is to completely, utterly destroy the sheep. In sharp contrast, Jesus tells us why he has come and what he has to offer the sheep. Early in John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as the shepherd of the sheep. He says he's the door or gatekeeper of the sheepfold. He tells us that he opens the way for the sheep to come into a place of safety and protection. Jesus repeatedly says he knows the sheep and calls them by name. Think about that for a minute. Jesus knows your name. He knows my name. Often, I'm challenged to remember people's names. Jesus never has that problem. He is able to call each of his sheep by name. He leads the sheep, and they follow Jesus because they are familiar with his voice. In other words, Jesus knows the sheep, and the sheep know Jesus. They have a personal, walking-in-step-with-each-other relationship. That brings us to the last half of John 10.10 10, and what Jesus had to say about himself. Since we really want to get this part of the verse down deep in our spirits, I'm going to repeat it again. First, here's what Jesus said in the message translation. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life, than they ever dreamed of. And now the same passage in the voice translation. 
I came to give life with joy and abundance. The distinction between Jesus and the thief is clear. The thief deals in death. Jesus gives life. In fact, as we continue reading through chapter 10 of John's Gospel, Jesus says that he will give his life for the sheep. He will surrender his own life on earth so that his sheep can live with him eternally. The Greek word for life in this verse, number 2222 in Strong's Concordance, is zoe. Thayer and Smith's Bible Dictionary that's based on the New Testament Greek lexicon has this to say in part about zoe. Zoe is the absolute fullness of life. It is life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ. This quote from Bible Hub gives additional insight into the eternal nature included in the connotation of Zoe. The Lord intimately shares his gift of life with people, creating each in his image, which gives all the capacity to know his eternal life. Zoe is also the word translated for life in John 14:16. I'll read it in the Passion Translation. Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. Ephesians 2.6 gives even more insight about the eternal nature provided by Jesus. This is the new living version. God raised us up from death when he raised up Christ Jesus. He has given us a place with Christ in the heavens. It is clear. Jesus came to give us a place with him in heaven as well as give us Zoe on earth. Zoe is the God kind of life. It is full, complete, vigorous life, and Jesus has made it available to us in heaven as well as on earth. Now let's explore the last phrase in John 10.10, more abundantly. Meanings found in Strong's Concordance include the following superabundant in quantity, or superior in quality, exceeding abundantly above, more abundantly, advantage, exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more, superfluous, vehemently. Superabundantly reminds me of a word my husband Dave made up, Osteohypertrimal gaseous. Dave says that means good, clean to the bone. Anyway, a more biblical translation is provided in Ephesians 3.20. I'll read it in the Passion. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's amazing. But I guess the real question is, why aren't more of God's children experiencing this kind of abundant life? 
Why are so many of us chained to a life of existence rather than liberated to live a life of abundance? I'm reminded of Moses' words to the people near the end of his life in Deuteronomy 30, 19. The New Living Translation reads like this, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. This verse is summarized in the voice with these words, Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Life, abundant life, that is what Jesus has made available to everyone, to each one of us. But it is a choice. We have to choose. We must make a conscious, intentional choice. Notice that Moses said today or this day, it is a daily choice. It is a now choice, a moment-by-moment choice. We experience abundant life when we choose to be present each moment. Over and over, we have the ability to choose who we want to be, what we choose to focus on, and what actions, thoughts, and words we want to express. Joshua said it well in Joshua 24:15 when he said, "Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve." And then he finished his thought by sharing his personal choice. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Choosing to live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us is both a one-time point action decision and a daily lifestyle. This lifestyle requires us to make continuous choices and answer questions like these. Who do I choose to be? Do I choose the identity God created in me? Or do I drift along and allow myself to be pressed into the identity of the world's system? What's truly important to me? How can I express that today, right here, right now? How can I be real? How can I be my real God-given self in every aspect of my life? How can I live present in each moment with my spirit aligned with Holy Spirit and my mind saturated with the mind of Christ? Choosing to live in the ongoing presence, purpose, and power of God And learning to express that in every moment of every day is what brings meaning to life. It's what makes us truly alive, fully alive. It's what enables us to be deeply rooted and grounded in the love of God. It's what nurtures and guides us. It's what helps us grow, mature, and cultivate love, joy, peace, and all the fruit of the Spirit. It's what helps us develop our true identity and become who we really are. Please know this is not an easy process. Being real may mean dealing with our personal brokenness. Sometimes wounds and trauma from the past surface. It can be painful. It requires coming face to face with ourselves, our sin, our doubt, our rebellion, our flesh, 
our unbelief in the presence of God. I certainly don't have all the answers, but I do know that it takes faith and courage to fully submit to the healing process. And it also takes faith and courage to allow ourselves to embrace the dreams Father has placed in our hearts. To believe that, as it says in Ephesians 3.20, you and I have been given the opportunity to achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination, he will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. This morning, as I was waking up, I saw in the Spirit a picture of a strong arm reaching down from heaven to grab the gear shift of an 18-wheeler semi. The message was clear. It's time to shift gears. It's time to start thinking and acting in a new way. It's time to come up higher. It's time to take action. Choosing to really live involves making a decision. It's a decision to get moving, to get started, or keep going on this journey. Maybe you're just beginning for the first time, or maybe you've tried before and somehow got bogged down and off track. Either way, God's not asking you to take every step of the journey right now. He's just asking you to take the first step today. Then he will lead and guide you, showing you the next step, the new next step, and the new next step after that. Maybe for you, the first step is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That means you admit God's right and you've been wrong. It means you ask Jesus to come into your heart and you make a choice to become a Christian and live for him. Maybe your first step is to make a choice to live the moment by moment, day by day, abundant life that Jesus made available to you. That's choosing to come into alignment with him and choosing to follow his word and his ways. Please know that being fully alive to your identity and purpose is a step-by-step process and know that you do not have to go on this journey alone. We read in Hebrews 13.5 in the voice that Father God said, I will never leave you. I will always be by your side. And in Matthew 28, 20, in the Passion Translation, Jesus said, And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of the age. Remember, too, that Jesus, in John 14, 16, asked Father to send Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus prayed, as written in the Voice Translation. I will ask the Father to send you another Helper, the Spirit of of truth, who will remain constantly with you. There are also many other believers traveling the same way. Watch who God puts on your path, as some fellow believers may be willing to come alongside and help you as you journey. Remember, you just need to get started. You just need to make a choice to live the abundant life. Yes, you'll make mistakes along the way and probably get off track sometimes, I certainly do, but so did Paul. He wrote in Ephesians 3, 12 through 14, as translated in the message, 
I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm often running, and I'm not turning back. As this podcast comes to a close, I want to bless you on your journey. I decree and declare God's mighty power is working in you. I decree and declare you are living the abundant life that is infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceeds your wildest imagination. I decree and declare His miraculous power is constantly energizing you to be fully alive and to really live every moment of every day. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Dave and I bless you and believe for you to join us again soon on the next God's Family Plan podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in to today's God's Family Plan podcast. If you'd like to leave a prayer request, a suggestion, or a comment, you can do so on our Facebook page. That's God's Family Plan on Facebook. Until next time, this is Dave Burnett. May God richly bless you and your household. In Jesus' name, amen.